Well, would you turn with us this evening to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians 12. We've been on this for some weeks, and I think we're nearing the completion of this series. But I certainly don't want us to forget about it anytime soon. This is important. And I'm stirred up about it. I'm going to keep talking about it, even if we're teaching on other subjects and other areas. You don't, don't be surprised if you keep hearing references to this. 1 Corinthians 12, are you there? And the last verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Covet earnestly. Normally when you see the word covet in the scriptures, it's telling you don't. Don't covet this. Don't covet that. But here he says do. Covet these things. Covet what? What gifts? Well, this is the end of the 12th chapter. If you back up to the beginning and read through, he refers to the gifts of the Spirit. And he mentions nine specific gifts are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. He mentions a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. He mentions gifts of healings, workings of miracles, and faith or gift of faith. He mentions different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Are we to desire these things? Are we to desire them strongly, earnestly, covet them? Is most of the church doing that? No. Huge portion of the church doesn't even believe in these things. So they're certainly not coveting them. I mean, how much of people that confess to be Christians covet speaking in tongues and different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues? Most of the church world don't even believe in it. They say it's passed away. It's not for us nowadays. And so a lot of people are actively staying out of this chapter. They're purposely staying away from these things. And if they do venture off into it, they try to explain it all away naturally. Well, gifts of healings, that's doctors and medicine. Well, uh, different kinds of tongues, that's people who have linguistic ability. And they can learn multiple languages. Well, uh, word of knowledge and word of wisdom, that's people that's been to school and got a lot of knowledge. Got a lot of wisdom. No, no, no. All of these are supernatural. All of them. And the reason you hear that is because people are natural and only think natural. Go with me to... You're there in 1 Corinthians 12. Go back to the uh, second chapter, please. Second chapter. Chapter 2 and verse 14. Well, let me read verse 13. He said, The things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man receives not the things Of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him. 
Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You suppose there are a lot of folks. That's the way it was then. You suppose there's a lot of folks now. They don't receive spiritual things. Hmm? Why? They say, ah, we don't believe in all that. We don't go for all that. We don't end all that. Why? And it's not because it's passed away. It's because they're natural. And just natural minded. And so they cut that off. You see, let me read this to you from another translation. The uh, Amplified says, The natural non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. So what about the folks? And when, now when, you got to understand, we're talking about millions of people now that do not accept the gifts of the Spirit. Well, it's not because they're not around. It's because of being natural. Just natural. He said they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him. How many times you've heard people say that about speaking in tongues? Meaningless, gibberish, nonsense. And he is incapable of knowing them. Because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. How many understand from this, just being carnal and naturally minded will keep you out of the things of God. And this whole series, that's what we've been talking about. Are we going to be content just living a natural and mental life? I mean, you can't even worship God like that. They that worship God must worship Him how? In spirit and in truth. You, I mean, if you're just in the flesh, and that's all you know and that's all you do, the Bible says you can't please God. Well, for one thing, you're not going to be walking by faith in the flesh, are you? That's spiritual. Spiritual. And all the gifts of the Spirit are spiritual. I'm so glad we're not stuck with just a mundane, natural, mental life. But that we got a God who is spirit, who is real. His Holy Spirit is in us and on us. And the gifts of the Spirit cannot be explained away with natural definitions. They're spirit. They're glorious. They're wonderful. They're miraculous. We've talked about all nine of them now. And how many can say every one of them is wonderful and glorious, amazing. And if you knew about them, you'd desire them. You'd be hungry for them. When people scoff and mock at them and make fun of them, you can tell they just are, you know, don't get mad at them. Just understand how ignorant they are. They just don't know what they're talking about. Or they'd never make fun of such holy and wonderful and amazing things. But with many of us, there might, you know, maybe there was a time when you thought the same dumb way. So don't knock, if somebody doesn't see it, don't knock them. Don't knock them. Another thing you'll see about just being natural and being unspiritual, he, this flows right into that third chapter, verse 1 of chapter 3. He said, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Verse 3, you are yet carnal, for whereas there's among you envying, strife, Divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? 
You see in these few verses two big indicators of carnality. And we're talking about carnal Christians. These people who who are genuinely born again. But they've never matured. They've never developed. And they live, even though they're born again, they live almost exactly like unsaved people. Just in their intellect. Not spiritual people. Got you know, need to grow up and develop. One thing you see, carnal Christians, they reject and deny the works and gifts of the Spirit. Well, we just got through reading that in the second chapter. They don't receive it. They reject it. They don't receive speaking in tongues. They don't receive working of miracles. They don't receive gifts of healings. They reject all that. That's millions of folks, isn't it? But then another indicator of it, then it flows right into this third chapter, is that they like to fuss. Hmm? Envying, strife, division, right? Always talking about this group and that group and the other group. We're not a part of that. And, and, you know, thinking they're the Holy Ghost police. Go around and correct everybody. Judge everybody. Straighten out everybody's doctrine. That's an indicator of being a carnal baby. Spiritual people are not that way. Spiritual people are aware of spiritual things. Spiritual people are involved in spiritual things. Spiritual people are growing up in love. Boy, it's a great load off your shoulders when you realize it's not your job to straighten everybody out. Oh, man. Just, ooh, just like a weight roll off your chest. You go, hey. I've had people, you know, they want to kind of pin you in the corner and go, well, what do you think about so-and-so? What do you do about so-and-so? And I'm just so glad while they're talking, I'm not God. I don't have to judge this. I don't have to make any call on it. It's freedom. What do you think about so-and-so? Well, I, you know, I hope they do good. If they did make a mistake, I want to see them come out. Right? It's not my job to judge all their doctrine and judge everything they've said and done. The Bible told us to judge ourselves, Right? How many of you got a full-time job keeping up with yourself and your stuff? And it's a cinch. If somebody's running around judging other folk, they are not taking care of their self. That's just the way it is. The Bible says if you're a judge, you're not a doer. If you're a doer, you're not a judge. Anyhow, do you want to be carnal? Huh? Denying, rejecting the gifts of the Spirit and all the things and the works of the Spirit. Do you want to be an arguer and a fusser and a judger and a fault finder? And be a little carnal, whiny baby. (laughs) Somebody say, no. Or do you want to grow up? Grow up and come into the fullness of the things of the Spirit. Right? Be a talker in tongues. Be one who knows about the gifts of the Spirit. And the operation of these wonderful things. And be one who walks in love. Somebody that keeps her cool. No matter what's going on, you just are cool. Collected. Love people no matter what they say about you. How many understand that's big? That's being like the Lord. That's being like the Master. I mean, you hang on the cross, dying, and look down and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That ought to be your hero. If he can do that hanging on the cross, you can do that in the comfort of your lazy boy. If somebody said some little dumb something about you. 
Say it out loud. That's me. me. Growing up. up. Spiritual. 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 Well, go to the book of Acts, please. Throughout this series, we've been referring continually to the book of Acts. You know, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. But that's really a title men gave to it. You want to be technical about it? There's acts of prophets in there. Acts of evangelists. Acts of just believers. But uh, I think an outstanding title would be Acts of the Holy Ghost. Through the church. And the great thing about the book of Acts. Is it is current with us. I mean this is not Old Testament. This is New Testament. This is not the gospel accounts before Jesus paid the price. This is after the price has been paid. We're part of the same church. They are. We got the same new birth, same gospel, same name of Jesus, right? Same Holy Spirit. So our life should look like this book. Is it true? Did they have miraculous things in these days? They had healings. They had miracles. They had signs, they had wonders, didn't they? We've gone through them, and in those nine manifestations of the Spirit, we've gone back and made the connection between definition and example in the book of Acts. We've looked at examples of discerning the spirits in the book of Acts. We looked at examples of working of miracles, examples of gifts of healings, etc., etc. We've talked about all nine. But tonight I want us to get into something that's kind of an overriding thing of all this. In Acts 2, if you would look. Acts 2 and verse 1. Help me read it out loud. What does it say? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were what? They were all with one accord in one place. What happened? Suddenly... There came a sound from heaven, like as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled, it did what to the house in the house? Filled, filled, somebody say filled, filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were what? They were what? They were all filled, filled, say filled. Filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Glory to God. Now, I want you to particularly pay attention to this phrase, filled. Filled. We're going to see that again and again as we look at other scriptures and look at other examples. Filled with the Spirit. What does filled with the Spirit have to do with the gifts of the Spirit? Everything. I said everything. Said out loud, fill with the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. And we're talking about the same Spirit. That's what the Scripture said, you know, in our text. Talked about all these different manifestations, but the one and self-same Spirit. Dividing to every man individually as he wills. Let me, uh, let me read some other. You can turn there since you're so close. But to link this together... Acts uh, 6 5. Acts 6 5. It says, The saying 
pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and what? Full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. And these other individuals. And skip down to verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power. Now here, instead of saying Holy Ghost, says power. Stephen, full of faith and power, did what? Great wonders and miracles among the people. You suppose there's any connection between him being full of the Spirit, full of faith, and the miracles. Now, we've already gone to the chapters and the places where God used him in gifts of healings and workings of miracles. Two of these manifestations that we've studied about. And here it talks about him being full of the Spirit. Let's look at another one. Acts, the uh, 7th chapter. Just next page, when uh, Stephen is preaching this amazing message. And the Bible said in 7.55, But he being what? Full. Full. Of the Holy Ghost looking up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. And saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. We've already talked about that. That's discerning the spirits. He is seeing outside this realm. He's seeing into the realm of the spirit. Hmm? He actually saw. This is not just. He's not having a hallucination. How many understand if you were here, we went into great detail about this, but how many believe this is not the only realm there is, this physical realm? There is a realm of spirit, just as real as what you're sitting on and looking at and feeling and more real. Everything in this realm came out of that one. Hmm? God is spirit. And Jesus teaches us about the spirit realm and the Holy Spirit Telling us it's like the wind. Well, what about the wind? Somebody said, I saw the wind. Well, not actually. You saw the effects of the wind. You didn't know where it came from and where it went. You didn't see it. You saw the effects of it. But it's real. And he said, so is the Spirit. That's the way the Spirit is. That's the way the whole realm of the Spirit is. People talk about other dimensions and, and other realms. Well, it's a fact. God is real. The Holy Spirit is real. Angels are real. We talked about two individuals that we know of that went home to be with the Lord the last few days. And you know, uh, all of us need to be ready for this because the Lord tears is coming just a little while. We're all living here. Right? We should not try to live and act like, well, we're all going to, all of us are all going to be together down here forever. No, you're not. People are leaving this place every day. Well, I don't like to talk about it, Brother Keith. Well, then I'm going to talk about it some more right now. (laughs) If you were able to leave your body and to go out about where the moon is, and you could see not just the natural, but you could see the spirit, you'd see people departing this planet by the millions. They are leaving this place. You call them deaths. The Bible calls them departures. And there are arrivals. By the millions. What are those? Births. So just like at a busy airport. You got arrivals and departures. Out of this planet spiritually. What did Paul say? He said I got a desire to depart. And be with Christ. Which is far better. Not just better. Far better. Than what? Than being here. 
<laughs> How many believe heaven is just as real as Branson? Yes. Only nicer. Yes. Thank God for Branson. Amen. But hey, it don't hold a candle to heaven. Yes. Right? It's real. Yes. And people are there. Amen. They're there. They didn't turn into angels. They're, they're them. Just like you. You're sitting there looking at me through those two windows. We call eyes. You're not a body. You have a body. You're not just a mind. You have a mind. You are spirit. Made in the image and likeness of God who is spirit. He is called the father of spirits. Somebody say I'm a spirit. As a spirit you, you live eternally. You exist eternally. Maybe it would be a better word. All spirits do. But if you know God, you leave this place, you depart, and you go up, 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 and reach the the heaven of heavens, glorious place where the Lord is even now preparing a place for you. He knows what you like, and he's custom building it just for you. I tell you, for the first hundred years, every time you're around the corner, you're going to go, ah, that's just what I like, ah, ah. I never knew I liked that, but I like that. I, if I'd have known to pick that, that's what I'd have picked. And the Lord will tell you, I knew what you like. I know what you like. And I made it just for you. Does the scripture say he's going to prepare a place for us? Spirit. Say it again. Spirit. Spirit. If you only live in the natural, then you, you don't believe in all that. You're not aware of that. But here he is looking into the realm of the Spirit, but it's in connection with him being full of the Holy Ghost. Do you see what we talked about already? Full of the Holy Ghost and working the miracles. Full of the Holy Ghost and gifts of healings. Here's full of the Holy Ghost and discerning the spirits. Full of the Holy Ghost. In uh, Acts 13, we'll look at one more and then we'll go on. Acts 13 When Paul had this encounter with this sorcerer, Elamus, on this island where he's trying to preach the gospel. 13.9, when Elamus withstood them, seeking to turn the deputy away from the faith, Saul, who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and spoke to him, you know, and told him that he was going to be blind, not being able to see for a season. Well, he couldn't just say that out of his self. He didn't just have this power as being an apostle, though some try to say so. We've already talked about this. What is this? This is a gift of faith. He's saying something that you normally could not say, and it just come to pass. And he said it, and it happened, and it shut this guy down. And he had several days to think about it. But what's this gift of faith? What is it in connection with? Being filled with the Spirit. Somebody say filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Spirit. We quoted this to you. Brother Smith Wigglesworth had said this some years ago. Some people asking him about what gifts of the Spirit he had. And people that understand it don't talk about it that way. That's not the language you'd use. Because nobody possesses these gifts and they can just use them like they want to. That's not how it works. And this is what he said. And it is obvious if you study his life that the gift of faith operated in him powerfully through him numerous times. But he knew he couldn't just turn this off and on like he wanted to. 
But he said this. He said, I don't know whether it's the best to say I'm used in certain this gift or that gift. Or to just stay so full of the Holy Spirit that he can use you any way he wants to. Any time. That's the man that knows what he's talking about. Experience. And what did he say? Full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. Say it out loud again. Full of the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Now this term has been bantered around and used so much and abused until it does resemble what it started out meaning. You hear people talk all the time, spirit-filled this, spirit-filled that. Spirit-filled people, uh, spirit-filled husband, got a spirit-filled wife, got spirit-filled kids. Some folks think they got spirit-filled dog. I mean, <laughs> spirit-filled, we're spirit-filled church. Spirit-filled, our meetings are spirit-filled. We're all spirit-filled, spirit-filled. You hear people say stuff like this. Did you hear about that pastor down there? You know, uh, spirit-filled. And he ran off with the piano player in the building fund. She was spirit-filled too. Not that day they wasn't. <laughs> And not several days before then. But what am I saying? People use that term far too casually and loosely. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, the word fill means just what you'd think. To fill up like filling up a glass or filling up a vessel. And it has the idea of being completely full. Completely full. And being completely full of what? I preached a sermon some years ago. The title was, What Are You Full Of? (laughs) And as you might imagine, it got kind of interesting at times. But you know, you're going to be full of whatever you take in. You eat enough cornbread, you'll be full of cornbread. Right? You watch enough sports, you'll be full of sports. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It comes out of you whatever you're full of. If you're full of fear, that's what will come out. If you're full of faith, that's what will come out. If you're full of baloney. (laughs) Right? But you could. And some folk are. All you got to be is be around them just a few minutes and they're going to start talking whatever they're full of. Some people are full of bitterness. Aren't they? They're full of bitterness and hatred. I mean, it'll come out. I know uh, years ago in healing school at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry, there was a man that had been a blessing to a number of ministries, a businessman, and he had this physical condition that was just, doctors said it was terminal, and just kept getting worse and worse. And he had come to where we were ministering in the healing school for month after month. And I mean, other people had ministered to him months And even a year or so prior to that, and he'd been with us for months now. And I knew something's not right. He should be making better progress. And so I got to praying about it. Lord, what's going on? What can we do differently to help this man? What can we do different? What does he need to see that he's not seeing? What do we need to see? And prayed about it off and on for some time. Well, Service was over one day, and I'm going out of the foyer, and this man was there. Very personable, likable fellow. And like I said, had been a blessing financially to ministries. And in talking with him, something come up about business. 
and I happened to ask a question about it and just making conversation and about somebody doing a certain kind of a way and a thing. And when I said it, a different look come over him. And he got to talking about people that had done him wrong in business. And I mean, the further he went, the harder he got. Until he just virtually ranting and raving. And finally, he just, and I know he didn't mean to, but the Lord just was trying to show me what was going on here. He said if he had a gun, he'd kill him. And I think he kind of caught himself when he said that and looked at me and tried to change it. But that's what was in him. The further he went, he just got madder and madder in a rage. And this is something that had happened 20 years ago. Well, you suppose that could be hindering him and holding him up. It's not a matter of the Lord saying you can't be healed till you quit this. It's a matter that that will keep your faith from working. That will keep you from being able to receive. God's will doesn't change. His goodness doesn't change. It's just there are things. How many understand the Bible said faith works by love? So, how did we get into all that? It's true anyhow. <laughs> Let me get back to this. Being filled with the Spirit should not be bantered around as a little nothing phrase. When you fill with the Spirit, you're full of a person and the manifestation of a person. Being filled with the Spirit is not just something that you claim by faith. Being filled with the Spirit is an experience. Just because you say, I'm filled with the Spirit. Put the filled label on me. I'm filled. I'm a Spirit-filled Christian. Doesn't mean you are. Just How many understand putting a beautiful four-color label on a can doesn't put anything in the can? How many would rather have a can full than a fancy label? Full of the Spirit. This thing kicked off, this book of Acts, the beginning of the days of the glorious church. It kicked off with them all getting filled. Let me say filled. Filled. How many understand a quarter tank is not full? Hmm? Half tank is not full. Three quarters. We're not talking about three quarters. What are we talking about? Not talking about seven eighths. What are we talking about? Full, full, filled, and even the implication is overflow. Now notice, and you'll see this again and again, they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak. Speaking is an indication of being filled. And you don't have to go any further than the gas tank on your car to understand that. If your gas gauge quit... Would there be any other way of finding out if your tank's full or not? Hmm? Oh, yeah. One real simple way. On little airplanes, especially older airplanes, the gas gauges are notoriously unreliable. Certainly not. Yeah, they are. But there's a surefire way to know if a tank's full. (laughs) Anybody know what it is? You just keep putting gas in there until you can't put no more. And you open the cap up, and the gas comes out when you open the cap. And you go, yep, full of gas. 
And could you know if you didn't even have a gas gauge, could you know the tank on your car was full? How would you do it? Put that nozzle in there. And you squeeze it. And you don't just stop after a few minutes and go, I wonder if it's full. I wonder if it's full. Are you picking up anything on it being full or not? I don't go bump the tank. Does it sound, what does it sound like? No need getting into all that. Well, pray over me. Do you discern that I'm full? No, just, what do you do? Just, just squeeze the nozzle and keep her pumping. Well, is it full yet? Don't need to deliberate about that. Just hold her down. And what will happen when it really starts getting full? Hmm? It'll start spitting. Is that right? It'll start spitting and eventually it'll kick out the mouth. I said it'll kick out the mouth. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak, indicating they're full. They're full. They filled up. They got full, and out the mouth it came. Speaking in tongues. You see it more than once in the book of Acts. In the book of Ephesians, it says, be filled with the Spirit. Next word is speaking. Be filled with the Spirit. And the implication in the Greek is be being filled. Be continuous, not just you got filled. Be filled. And what about tomorrow? Be filled. And the next day, be filled. You know, just because you got filled... And spoke in tongues in 1959. Is no indication that you were filled today. Now that's not to say the Holy Ghost left you. He doesn't leave you. He's always with you. But that doesn't mean you are continuously full all the time. Now notice this. We'll show it to you. Acts 2. These folks got filled with the Spirit. And they spoke in other tongues. Go back to the fourth chapter. This same bunch. They got filled in Acts 2. They are having wonderful fellowship. They are seeing miracles. Chapter 3, this uh, lame man at the gate called Beautiful got healed. That was a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit like we've already talked about. And they got in trouble with the authorities because of this. Not everybody's going to be happy when you get filled with the Spirit. Not every, You think everybody would be thrilled. Because a man lame from his mother's womb is running around and jumping. But uh, it made some folks so mad they wanted to kill him. And it hasn't changed from that. It's still that way today. Why? Because <laughs> people don't want to admit they're wrong. Hmm? That's the bottom line. And if this is right, then they're wrong. And grandpa was wrong. And grandma was wrong too. And their whole group was wrong about this. And a lot of folk are just too full of pride to admit that. So what do you do instead? You cover it up. You know. That's what Jesus was about. That's what the crucifixion was about in the natural. Getting him shut up. Why? Because more and more people were going, hey, I like this. We like healing. We like miracles. We like Jesus. He's right. But it was showing up what the other guys were doing wrong. No, what should have happened? How many understand all the Pharisees and Sadducees should have become partners with Jesus Evangelistic Outreach? Should they should all come to the meetings, right? They should have got in on this. They'd have been so much happier. But no, no. They don't want to admit that they're 
They're wrong. My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, said years back he was at a church where he was holding a several-week meeting. And good church and strong. And he said the pastor wouldn't come to the meetings. <laughs> well, that's bad, isn't it? The pastor won't come to his own meetings. He, you know, he's there a couple of weeks, and the pastor hadn't been to one. He's having morning and night services. Hadn't been to one. And uh, in praying about, you know, just being there and praying about the services, he had got in his spirit that this man was going to die soon. And he wasn't very old. And he thought about talking to him. And, and there were some things coming out in the service that could have, if you'd have changed, things could have been different. But he wouldn't even come to the services. And come to find out, he sensed that. And he wasn't going on purpose because of that. And was supposedly too busy. Had other stuff going on. And finally he said they were sitting at the table. And he said he just kind of blurted it out before he meant to. He said looked at him and said. Do you know you're going to die real soon? (laughs) And said the pastor looked at him and said. Yeah I know it. He said well. Do you know you don't have to? He said yeah. I guess. He said but you know. To do that. I'd have to admit that you're right. About these things, and I'd just rather die. Oh my God. And just a few days after he left, he did. He died. Well, it wasn't that he was right, is that the Bible is right. Now you might think, well, oh, that's crazy. People have done it over and over and over again. They're just too proud to admit, I've been wrong about this, and I need to change, and I've said too much, I've done too much, and I just don't want to deal with it. And it would have been much easier than they imagined it would be if they'd have just taken the step. The Lord would have helped them. He'd have given them favor. Hmm? There's nobody among us that's never missed it. If somebody steps up and says, hey, I taught that and it was wrong and I'm sorry and I'm going to repent. I mean, people respect that. They won't just despise you. Now, if you have to do it every other day, they might get tired of it. But, but people know that they themselves have missed it. You don't want to be too proud to change. But uh, he wouldn't acknowledge that those things that he had spoken against and taught against were actually right and in the Bible. But uh, we want to be open and teachable. How many believe we have a lot more to learn about being filled with the Spirit? A lot more to learn about the gifts of the Spirit. These people that got filled... In Acts 2, it's obvious. This Bible said they did. But look in Acts 4, where you're holding your place there, I think. It said that they came back after being threatened, and they prayed in unison. And they, the Bible said in verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all what? Filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? They spoke the Word of God With boldness. Now, a bunch of these people are the same people that got filled in Acts 2. Now, there have been some new people added to them, but it didn't just say the new people got filled. They all got filled. There is one initial filling of the Holy Spirit, but there are many following refillings. We're to be filled again and again and again. And again, in times of prayer, we're to get filled up in the Spirit. In good services, we ought to get filled up in the Spirit. 
in good times of praise and worship, we ought to get filled with the Spirit. Now, natural people just try to make that natural. They say, well, that just means you just stir up some extra enthusiasm. That just means that you're more intense. No, no, no. This is not about you being more enthusiastic or more intense. That'd be being full of enthusiasm, (laughs) being full of intensity. (laughs) That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being full of somebody who is not you, a different person from yourself, filling you up. And if you've ever been filled with the Spirit, you know what we're talking about. Nobody has to say, well, what in the world could that be? Oh, glory to God. That's when some of the other people start talking about you. You get filled with the Spirit, you'll act differently. You get filled with the Spirit, you speak boldly. I'm quoting references in scriptures now. You get filled with the Spirit, you might sing. You might shout. You might run. You might dance. Fill with the Spirit. Somebody say, fill with the Spirit. Now, people who've never been filled with the Spirit and people who are not spiritual, they think it's foolish. They think, is all that really necessary? I don't go for all that. Makes me nervous. I like a nice, quiet, dead church. Oh. Well, you don't want a bunch of flesh and a bunch of junk, but you do want the move of the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom, liberty, and life. He's the Spirit of life. He's the Spirit of love and peace and joy where He's in manifestation. It's wonderful. Somebody say wonderful. Now, the doorway into this, you see, is being filled and speaking. Isn't that, I mean, it's indisputable. This whole thing got kicked off when they got filled and started speaking in tongues. Right or wrong? That's how it got kicked off. And we got the same Holy Spirit today. We should have the same kind of infillings. We should have the same kind of yielding and evidence. Tongues is still with us. Tongues is good. Right? And we talked about, you know, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, said this. He said, uh, the more that he had spoken in tongues, the more of these other manifestations of the Spirit he had had in his life. The less he spoke in tongues, the less he had. Well, why would that be so? Well, it's what we're talking about all night because there's a connection, not just with speaking in tongues, but a connection with being filled with the Spirit and these other manifestations. And the problem is, People say, well, why don't we have more things? Why don't we see more miracles? Why don't we see more signs uh, and wonders? Why don't we see? It's very simple, very simple. One is a lack of faith. People, they don't want to hear that. They just want to ignore it, but it's the truth. It's a gross lack of faith. There is such a gross lack of faith worldwide that the Scripture says, Jesus, when he returns, shall he find faith? Isn't that what he said? When the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith? It is so precious. And we like to think, well, we're a church full of faith. We just all come in every service just full of faith. We wish. (laughs) But how are you going to get faith? Not by crying and whining and asking for prayer requests. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why you need to read your chapter every day. 
That's why you need to feed on good materials. Come to services. Get filled up. It's a good start. Not the whole thing, but it's a good start. Put you on your way. Lack of faith is one of the biggest problems. Why things are not manifest. But then secondly here, and it goes right along with it, is lack of being filled with the Spirit. Lack of being led by the Spirit. You can't successfully separate faith from being led by the Spirit. We got into this last week. We asked, why didn't Paul stand up on that ship and calm the storm? Why didn't uh, these apostles just control everything everywhere they went? Why didn't they know everything and control everything? A better question, why didn't Jesus himself? In his own hometown, people left sick and unhealed. Many things happened that were obviously not the will of God. Why? Because you can't just do these things as you choose. Jesus himself said, I can of my own self do what? Nothing. Jesus himself, the master said. He said, I only say what I hear the father say. I only do what I see him do. Is he saying I am completely dependent on the father? And of course, you understand there were no miracles. There were no outstanding things happen until that day that he was a praying coming up out of the river Jordan. You remember that? Here's the praying again. He was a praying and the heavens were open and the Holy Spirit came on him in a bodily shape and form of a dove. How many understand he was filled with the Spirit? Yes. So what about before then? Not like this. Because he's, even though he is the Son of God, he's emptied himself of his powers as God and deity. The Bible Philippians says he laid it aside. He set it aside and became like other men. And so there were no miracles when he was 16 or 20 or 25. But when he was at this age and he got baptized in the river and the Holy Ghost came on him, what does the Bible say? After that temptation, he came out in the power of the Spirit. We see these gifts of the Spirit in operation. We see this discerning of spirit and gift of faith and working of miracles and gifts of healings, don't we? We see them all in there, except for tongues and interpretation, which has happened after the day of Pentecost. But we see all those things. But if Jesus couldn't just go and do these when and how he chose to, then certainly we can't. But do you see another problem? People have attempted to just cold in the flesh, rebuke and bind Call the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Just because they decided to. And we have not lived the way he did in this close communion. In this close fellowship. And he didn't just get up and decide, I'm going to go out to the porches of sick folk at the pool today and just pick me a guy and heal him. He didn't do that. He was communing with the Father. The Bible says sometimes he prayed all night long. Isn't that right? He's communing with the Father. And while he's doing that, he saw something. Didn't he? He saw it happen. And then he just went out and did what he saw. He heard things as he communed with the Father. And he just went out and preached what he heard. Friends, we cannot in our own intellect and in our own strength have this kind of life. We can't just feed on junk night and day and be carnal and not pray and not be in the Word and just come up and shout something at the top of our lungs and everything's going to happen. It's not by might, our might. It's not by our power. But what's it by? It's by His Spirit, says the Lord. And, you know, we have authority in our own life. We do. But 
the flesh, Jesus said, profits nothing. All amounts of screaming and hollering and yelling and jumping up and down and physical sweat and perspiration is not going to get anybody healed or free. It's not going to get needs met. If we want the fullness of this, what must we do? Huh? We must lay aside stuff that gets in our way. We must get to praying. Like, like Paul said, he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And they were a tongue-talking bunch. He had to give them some instructions about it. But we must lay aside things that are unprofitable and pray in the Spirit and commune with Him and feed our faith and draw away from all this stuff that keeps us so carnal. Hmm? See, we're kidding ourselves if we think we can feed on junk and it doesn't affect us. And we live in a society where something is vying for our attention all day and all night, isn't it? And if we let all this junk that's carnal and unspiritual and even a lot of it's ungodly, if we let it dominate our thinking, we're going to wind up carnal and dull and powerless. Oh, but if we walk with the Lord, if we'll spend some time praying in the Spirit, if we'll turn some stuff off. Did you hear me? And get quiet. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Get quiet. Commune with Him. You'll begin to see some things. You'll begin to hear some things. And you'll begin to have manifestations of the miraculous in your life. It's available to all of us. You'll have things happen in your life that reads like the book of Acts. Can you say amen? Amen. And instead of spirit-filled just being a label... Uh, a moniker that differs you from another group, it'll begin to be a reality to you. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. I've had a few experiences along this line, and I long for more. And I know it's more up to me than it is the Lord. We've, Phyllis and I have been in meetings. We've had some times and some situations where you just got so full of the Spirit, you didn't know what to do with yourself. You didn't know where to laugh or to cry, fall down or stand up. You didn't, and didn't care. Didn't care. Glory, speak in tongues, sing in tongues, give glory to God. But those that hunger for these things, we're right back to our text. What did he say? Covet earnestly. Desire these things. Be hungry for these things. And you can tell that's one of our biggest problems in society is that folk are not even hungry enough to come to church. They're not hungry enough to open their Bible. They're not hungry enough to pray five minutes. Well, then they're going to be dull. They're going to live a little shallow, physical, mental life. They're going to miss out on the riches of spiritual things. And it's up to me and you what we are willing to have, willing to do without. How many would say, I'm tired of a shallow life? I'm not willing to live just a carnal, natural, mental life. Hmm? Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes. Begin to praise the Lord. Begin to give thanks to the Lord. Oh, Lord, we worship you. Oh, Lord, we bless you. Lord, we give you glory. We adore you. We magnify you. Oh, we bless you. We praise you. Oh, hallelujah. Pray this out loud with me. Then we'll pray in the Spirit. So I'm said out loud, Father God. 
I believe you are wonderful. I believe the Spirit-filled life is the rich life, the glorious life, the life for me. Forgive me for letting things dull me, hold me back. I do not love the world and the stuff in the world, ungodly world. I love you. And your things help me, help me to draw near, to come close as never before. Show me the spiritual life. Show me the fullness of what's available to me. Pray in the Spirit, so. Ofni mengelis, efli bande godores de leprea. Evle manon de bredisi, like, like le basode, legi le bredi vanone monocroste, bele vranam bele embrone for the doce, libre, libre nacales, non oliti fredes neci, of no macoles, evdi baniente, baniente, baniente. Oh, help us. To Kaledi Breshiti, to throw off Nembri Nadopje, hindrances, Nemble Badofi, things that dull, Dendi Balakta, things that hold back and hold out, Nemayakiste, Belevradoshi, Valebreneti, Libre Vadode, Glefe de Brete, Divle Bradoco, Divle Bredone, Defle bradoje, divre di banode, dela manasala, nov di mendigoje, beze di vadi, dove dagi gode, bilivre di bana, bene vendi breste, belle vrade dosho, dilivre di bese, dilivene gosho, dilivre di mecta, Dilivrene mando, dilivrene biche, dilivrene me se le notte. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You remember when the man brought his lunatic son and was having seizures to the disciples? You remember that? And they tried to get him free. They tried to cast it out of him, and no results. Now that, over the history of the church, those kind of things are when new doctrines began. It's when somebody prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. Somebody tried to get somebody free and they stayed bound. And so they come up with new doctrines. It's not always God's will. God uses these things to teach us and he gets glory, some kind of amazing way. No, mm -mm. that's inconsistent with the Bible. When Jesus came and asked about the situation and later on, you know, they said, why couldn't we cast it out? What did he tell them? If you read all the four accounts, there's two basic statements. You have to put them together to see. But how many understand Jesus came down and the man cried out to him and he set the boy free. 
didn't he? Well, then it was the will of God. It was the will of God all the time. His bunch was a rebuking and binding and spitting and sweating and nothing happening. It was still the will of God. And later on, when they got back home, they came and asked him, why couldn't we do it? And it would have been the perfect place if all these theologians are right for him to say, well, boys, now I'm the son of God. And I can do these things. So don't feel bad because you're just a mere mortal worm of a man. No. He could have given him another. He could have said, well, it's mysterious. You don't always know. Sometimes it's the will of God. Sometimes No. He could have said all kind of things, but he didn't say any of that. You know what he said? He said, because of your unbelief. And then he also said, this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. Two things. There's another way of saying what we've already talked about tonight. Lack of faith. Lack of spiritual awareness and sensitivity. Praying and fasting does not give you power over the enemy. Jesus got that for us. Didn't he? He got it. He bought it. He well, then why would he say that? What does prayer and fasting do to us? Hmm? Well, prayer is communing with God. That's what we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes. But what would fasting do for you? Fasting would help you get rid of your dullness and help you get sharp to the things of the Lord. That's the thing. It's not giving you power to do something. It's getting in a position to use the power. Getting in a position to work with the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to go on a 40-day fast. You don't have to kill yourself. And some things, fasting would be more effective than fasting food. Hmm? Fasting some mental stuff or audiovisual stuff. Or, well, what's the purpose of it? Fasting doesn't give you favor with God. Fasting doesn't give you power over the devil. What does fasting do? Fasting helps you get this flesh under control and not be so dull. Fasting helps you to get aware and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, of course, it's best spent in connection with the praying. You're not just missing meals, but instead of doing that, you're praying. You're communing with God. I know some years ago I had an experience in the Lord, and some wonderful experience. And one of the first things, I was telling Phyllis the other day, one of the first things I said in the middle of it is, mm, 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 the flesh has been holding me out. The dullness. It's too easy to just live like everybody else. Just get up, go to work, come home, sweep the floor, wash the dishes, feed the dog, get up, go to work, come home. And it's all you're aware of, it's all you think about, it's all you seek. Friend, there's a whole nother life, whole nother life available to the child of God. If you'll pull aside and seek his face, pray in the spirit, draw near to him and put your flesh under him. Oh my, oh my, communing with him, you'll see some things, you'll know some things, you'll hear some things, and it'll be the key to the supernatural in your life. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.